This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for Thursday, February the 7th. I'm your host, D.A., and the news of the day is Kevin Durant's blow-up. He takes nine days of media silence. At the same time, the New York Knicks have traded away Kristaps Porzingis, presumably to clear space for KD to come to New York. It has everybody thinking, asking, questioning, is this the first domino for Kevin Durant to join the Knicks? And again, during this time, KD is saying nothing. He has put himself in media lockdown. So obviously, speculation leads to more speculation. And then finally, Kevin Durant decides, after last night's game, a blowout went over the Spurs, he's going to talk. Oh, good. What's he going to talk about? Oh, no. He's going to lecture the media. The Athletics' Ethan Strauss was one of his targets. Ethan joined 95-7 of the game in the Bay Area. Let's listen in. Wild ride. It's 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 funny when something like that happens. There's so much feedback so quickly that you don't even know what to make sense of it. I just immediately went in the locker room afterwards and just talked to different players because they found it hilarious. I mean, everybody pretty much other than Kevin Durant in the building I ran into found it hilarious. It reminds me of a, an Aaron Sorkin line that uh, bad publicity is like seasickness. Uh, you feel like you're going to die, and everybody else just finds it kind of funny. That's a pretty funny way to put it. The thing about KD saying, I just want to play ball, I want to go to the gym and go home, that's all, is that a problem, question mark? Does he not understand that that, in fact, is a problem, that this whole NBA machine has now been fueled by players' popularity, not only for what they do over the course of 48 minutes, but what they're doing in their, in their lives, both socially and professionally? Yeah, and, you know, look, I'm not a stickler. I don't completely uh, care too much if he skips the media availability or not, even if it is contractually obligated. I can understand the sentiment, certainly, but I don't think anybody's really preventing him. I mean, it's, it's very surreal on many levels. I think people who don't completely know how this stuff goes down might get the wrong idea. He is not getting grilled every day in that chair at Warriors practice about free agency. That is not happening. I think um, I, I think you guys can attest to that, that. That question might come up every few months. It might come up when they play the Knicks and the New York media is in town, but it's not something that is regularly coming up. What made it a topic was him disappearing concurrent with the Knicks clearing all this cap space up. I mean, that's what made it a curiosity. That's why people started asking questions. Frankly, that's why I started asking questions of the team and trying to figure out what's going on. Otherwise, we would have just proceeded writing about DeMarcus Cousins and how the team looked great. So it, it, it is a, it's kind of a, a silly situation that I do think is mostly of his own making, even if I will agree that I am you know, a deplorable, terrible bad guy. Yeah, I know. You are uh, a dirty of, SOB, I believe is the <laughs> phrase. That I've heard used. you called that. 
before. A succubus jackal. Another phrase that we can use with you, Ethan Strauss of The Athletic. For people who don't know, you were mentioned by KD in his comments to the media. Can you explain what piece you wrote that he was referencing so we get clarity on, on what it is that your point was in the piece in The Athletic? He didn't object to anything in particular. <laughs> he just might have objected to my existence and its existence. So it's hard for me to really parse the elements that he didn't like, but it was just about how much of the league expects Kevin Durant to sign with the Knicks. And nobody I'm talking to on the Warriors, at, at the very least, is projecting comp- uh, confidence on bringing him back. Well, that's not happening. I'm not, I'm not, getting, I'm not getting, oh, yeah, like we've, got, we've got a good shot at this, which is kind of crazy because – Teams often project that even when it's not true. Even when they and they can get completely surprised. The Heat were incredibly confident about bringing back LeBron in 2014 and got gobsmacked. So the dividends projection, I think, is relevant. So I, I mentioned that, and I mentioned some other elements that I think this whole run of it for him, despite the championships, despite the two finals MVPs, he probably doesn't get as much credit as he deserves as a basketball player. People don't give it to him. They say you joined a super team if they're not in the Bay Area, and they withhold it. And he might have viewed it that he was going to be put ahead of LeBron when he beats LeBron in the finals and outplays LeBron, but it just hasn't gone, it hasn't gone down like that. So uh, it was an article on those various elements, and I, it's hard to tease out which one in particular uh, he didn't like, but it might have been all of them. There may not be another superstar that's as unself-aware as Kevin Durant. KD has left in free agency before. KD has not committed long-term to the Warriors. KD goes media silent the moment the Knicks trade Kristaps Porzingis. And then KD wants to tell you, you shouldn't be speculating about me. Well, what else do you want everybody to do? You followed this game plan before. This has been your playbook. Kevin Durant is a wonderful basketball player, but Kevin Durant is emotionally a child. And whether it's lashing out at teenagers on social media, whether it's cracking back on all the critics that have questioned his legacy, or now ripping people that are speculating about where he might land, Kevin Durant just continues to make life harder on himself than it has to be. Kevin Durant, Hall of Fame player, but also Hall of Fame headache. The other big story this week is what the Philadelphia Eagles are going to do with Carson Wentz. Franchise tag him? Trade him, shop him for perhaps a third-round draft pick, steer him away from contenders in the NFC East like the Giants or Washington. All of this is on the table because Carson Wentz has missed time with injury the last two years, opening up the door for Nick Foles. Here's Carson Wentz on Angelo Cataldi's morning show on WIP in Philadelphia answering the question, do you feel like you're injury-prone? Right. We also had a theory, you know, this is talk radio, Carson, that you were still trying to find a way to get back on the field even after the diagnosis. Were you holding out some hope until you got the second opinion? I mean, without a doubt, you know, anytime you have some sort of injury, you know, guys do their due diligence. Okay, what are the um, what are the side effects? What are the, the potential concerns if you play through it? All those things. So um, I was trying to call any and every doctor I could and, and get the best uh, are the best on the case, so to speak, and um, ultimately found out that that the risks were definitely not worth it, and um, just tried to tried to progress as, progress through it where I could and how I could, and um, yeah, that's just kind of fell how how it did. 
Hey, Carson, are you at the point in your career where you're starting to wonder if you might be prone to injury? And would that in any way affect the way you play to try to preserve your health? Yeah, I mean, I don't think, um, I mean, that's kind of an interesting way to, way to state it. But uh, being prone to injury, you know, I look forward to, number one, just putting that behind me. You know, and, and I, I, like I mentioned earlier, uh, this, is, this is a contact game. You can't control a lot of things, but um, what I can control, I'm going to. And uh, do everything I can to stay healthy, and I look forward to kind of putting this, like I said, behind me. Um, but but it's not going to change, you know, kind of my outlook. You can't go out there playing, you know, afraid of injury. But at the same time, throughout, uh, I already feel like throughout these first couple of years, I've I've learned different ways to to protect myself and to avoid injury and you know off the field things to 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 get your body fresh and back out there. And um, obviously, this season maybe didn't show that because I got hurt again. But uh, you're learning a lot, and, and there's certain things you just can't control. You know, one of the good things about you having to be on the sideline, Carson, is you got to see Nick Foles function in a thing that you're going to be required to do for decade, over a decade now. What did you learn from him? Yeah, uh, yeah, I learned a lot from Nick. I think we both learned a lot from each other. A um, ton of respect for each other. We're, we're great friends off the field. Um, all those things, you know, I love everything that he stands for. And uh, you know, we're very like-minded in a lot of respects, but some extent we're, we're different too you know we see the game differently and uh we kind of have different approaches to the game and, and that's i think that's great that we got to work together and over the the two years we did i uh, learned a lot you know I, I started drinking coffee because of nick he's a big coffee guy um and he, he got me on coffee and uh he's really you know kind of a health guru and so you know i always picked his brain on some of those things so i learned a lot of things both on and off the field uh from nick and, and you know i, I definitely enjoyed uh, the two years that we've that we've had together and, and learned a lot from him, uh, like I said, on and off the field. Hey, Carson, if he's really that close to you, could you tell him not to sign with the Giants? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going there. No, I, I don't blame you. I don't. I, I'm just, what what does the offseason look for you now? You don't have to do a uh, a rehab of your knee. Um, what are you going to do in the next few months? Yeah, I mean, I'm still obviously rehabbing and progressing uh, through, the, through the back and kind of trying to put that behind me and and still the need to, you know, just trying to, like I said, keep getting explosive and um, just keep getting stronger. So it's a lot of rehab, a lot of working out. You know, you get a little little travel here and there, but nothing crazy. Um, and uh, try and try and enjoy the, the quick offseason that, that we have. You'd like to think that a guy that's this early in his career does not have to worry about year in, year out those injuries, that it's not going to sideline or derail him for a really good career. But that's kind of impossible to say right now. Wentz's last two seasons have been derailed because of his body. He was injured in the playoffs at the end of a season in college. I think at this point in time, you do have to ask the question, will Carson Wentz ever remain healthy enough to be a long-term, no doubt, no worries, franchise-caliber quarterback in the NFL? I think the Eagles are doing the right thing by going and betting on Carson Wentz, but... There's no doubt there's pressure on Wentz every single day because if Foles turns into a star again somewhere else, there's a lot of pressure on Wentz to avoid the trap of always being injured or not living up to what Foles already did in Philadelphia. Swinging back to the NBA, the trade deadline is here and the Dallas Mavericks are shaking things up, trading away Harrison Barnes in the middle of the game last night. Sean and RJ on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas discussing whether Dallas, in acquiring Kristaps Porzingis and trading away others, have finally set themselves up to be a contender. 
The Mavs right now will have about $30 million in cap space to go fishing again for a big-time whale. And we're going to start hearing the names around here again. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler, Boogie Cousins, all of them. All of them. Kawhi Leonard are going to be tied in to the Mavericks in a dream scenario. Well, look, that'd be, that'd be a lot of fun. And uh, you know, I can't wait for the the rumors to start to see who they go and try to get, to see who takes visits, who spurns them, who uses them. I mean, the NBA, you can't really use teams as leverage in free agency. The, that's the one thing I don't like about NBA free agency. It's just like the contracts are all the same. You know, like you, you get a max deal, you get a max deal. You get one with a home team, one with a road team. Uh, so that, that does, that does kind of take some of the fun out of it, but, uh, from a leverage standpoint, but this is going to be interesting. It's going to be see, interesting to see who they try to go get, who they want to get, who wants them. Yeah. More importantly, who wants them. But there's another question that we need to get out of the way when it comes to how the Mavs handled this. There are people on social media who are upset with Cuban in the front office for the way it went down. And the way it went down was Harrison Barnes played in this game. The news broke. I texted Skin, who's, of course, doing the TV broadcast. I said, they dealt Barnes. He goes, yeah, and he's still on the bench. And he stayed on the bench. And he remained on the bench. And he was still on the bench until the very end of this game. There was a heartbreaking shot that the TV cameras went to where Harrison you know, was obviously told, and it just seemed to be sinking in. And Harrison Barnes stayed on that bench with Mark Cuban just a few seats down. Cedric Sabalos brought this up in the postgame. Uh, do you remember that beef, the back and forth between Harrison Barnes and Mark Cuban when it came to street ball and U.S. basketball? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Harrison took exception to Cuban basically saying the way that they you know, develop American mm-hmm. players, it's about – you know, style and sure. and one it's crossovers. Different. And Harrison took exception to that. So Cedric kind of mentioned that in the postgame. But there's Cuban just sitting a few seats down as Harrison Barnes is sitting on that bench. All class, the true definition of a professional. Some Mavs fans didn't like the way that looked, didn't like the way that felt. Chris Arnold, Mavs in-game uh, MC, part of the fan, said that Harrison Barnes... Uh, took off his warm-up, gave it to CA, took off his jersey, tossed it into the crowd, and then he left the AAC without speaking to the media after the deal. You're a humongous, this is going to cost you a future players guy. You don't treat people like this guy. So I'm, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this, whether they did him dirty, it's a bad look, and it was wrong. It's not a bad look. This is how trades happen. Wait till July. This happens every single trade deadline in Major League Baseball. You'll see guys in the dugout, middle of the game, they're pulled from the game. It happens. Like, for the people who are upset about this, obviously haven't followed sports for the last hundred years. This is, this is, this is not abnormal at all. Not abnormal. I love the potential of Porzingis and Luka Doncic playing together starting next year. I love that. And if you're the Dallas Mavericks, now suddenly you have an exciting duo where perhaps other people would want to sign to be part of something that's growing and becoming a contender. And who wouldn't want to play with Doncic with how unbelievable he has been in his rookie season? I like those two as cornerstone to the franchise. I like clearing guys like Harrison Barnes. 
I think suddenly the Dallas Mavericks become very interesting in this offseason for potential free agents. The Wizards have already started the dismantling. John Wall done for the year and maybe beyond into next year with the torn Achilles. So they've traded away Otto Porter. Washington deals him to the Chicago Bulls. Chris Miles covers the Wizards. He joined Grant and Danny, a 106.7 the fan in D.C. And now the next question is, is it time to dismantle it even further and trade Bradley Beal? Bradley Beal is kind of the sticking point with Wizards fans on the one guy that they can't decide if they'd be okay with the team trading him or not. If you can get a couple of unprotected number ones, why shouldn't they move him? And, and I'm not saying they're going to. We know they're not going to rebuild. But should they? Should they be in the market where they trade Beal and say, if a team in the top five is giving us a top five pick, we're doing that? That's a great question, and here's the conundrum. Anyone that's interested in Bradley Beal is a contending team, right? So that's not a valuable first-round pick because Bradley Beal is a guy that if you have a star player, oh, man, he's a great second guy. And his contract now, as the salary cap has ballooned, is of great value. I mean, he's making less money than Otto Porter, and who would you rather have, right? So, and Brad's an outside shooter. Again, we just saw the youngest to 1,000 three-pointers in his career. So if, if, I, if I'm the Wizards, I can have him under contract for the next, what, three seasons? Uh, I'm trying to keep him. And I'm looking for him to be the only valuable asset because even if you move him in the offseason, I think you can get more, especially once the draft lottery has happened and teams have, you know, whatever pick they're going to have in the draft. Maybe you want to try to get two or three. But Brad's still really young. I think he's frustrated by his situation here. That is clear in his body language and everything that's happening, and he's not in for a rebuild. But you still have him under contract, and he's a very valuable piece. So I don't know who you would view as a great suitor. If you're talking about the Lakers, what would you want back, right? Do you want Ingram and a first-round pick? Is that enough? I don't know. So it's just a difficult situation, and I don't know how you get the value back from what Bradley Beal currently is. The Otto Porter deal. When it was made, what'd you think of it? I loved it. The second I saw it, I mean, look, <clears throat> before John Wall went down, I said the Wizards were in a situation where it just doesn't work with all three of them, John, Brad, and Otto. And I always felt like Otto was the odd man out, but I didn't think he held any value uh, in a trade scenario. And this season, Otto has been below average. So I think the Wizards won that trade in the sense that they got out of his bad contract, which still has two more years after this season, and they were able to get back two expiring contracts in Bobby Portis and uh, Jabari, Jabari Parker. The Wizards have always been the East Coast version of the Los Angeles Clippers, Lob City Clippers. Tons of talent, three-headed monster, but chemistry issues and how they worked together and underperformance in the playoffs, never getting over the hump, has now defined the Wizards. And I think it's absolutely the point in time where, considering Wall might be out of all of next season, yeah, you rip it up and you start over and you start wondering what you can get for your assets. So trading away Otto Porter and looking for deals for Bradley Beal is absolutely the right way to approach this. Now, if you do not get knocked over for Beal, there's no intent that you have to make sure you deal him by the end of the season but I think that if you're the Washington Wizards, yeah, you've got to look at that. 
In Boston, they can't stop talking about the Super Bowl and championship number six for the New England Patriots. And going into this game, we all thought that young Sean McVay, who is widely considered one of the best young minds in football, perhaps the preeminent young mind in football, he's the guy that all these other teams are trying to chase down his knockoff version of to be their head coach. He would be the equal to being aggressive in a Super Bowl and having his team ready to go, right? Wrong. He got clowned in this Super Bowl by Bill Belichick and the Patriots coaching staff. And on OMF, Ordway, Merloni, and Foria, they discussed how the Rams' hotshot young coach should be taking his lumps this week. The reason why Bill and these guys seem loose or de- you know, defensively, some of these guys, like Bill going into the week, he even said it here multiple times, they can't beat us. No. Like, like just, just stay, you know, vertical, do your thing, get your reads, get on there early, stay disciplined, and they, they can't do anything. They really can't beat us. Because we have too many guys in coverage. You know, he laid it out to them. So don't worry behind you. We've got enough guys. They can't get a guy open. Just stay vertical. Pass, run, just stay. It's unbelievable. And and isn't it ironic that one of the things that Sean McVay brought up in the little chat with Belichick beforehand is I love the way how you change up everything every, every week. You know, he was really excited about that. Well, dude, you're the one, man, you're the one, man, who's coaching against this guy you have to expect that you're going to see something totally different than anything you've seen before because that's what this guy does so it's wonderful to applaud him you know and give him all the accolades for doing all of this but your job is to try to defeat him the guy who's changing up every single week he did a terrible job of it he really did a terrible job He so overwhelmed, yeah. and maybe I gave him too much credit. Yeah, because everybody in the world was giving this guy so much. I credit. thought I thought that. Well, I thought it was going to be a big difference. I, that was one of my points last week. Uh, I, I thought it was going to be a big difference: the Belichick versus McVeigh thing. Unfortunately, Lou, it's wonderful to say, thirty-three years of age, and again, might be the smartest son of a bitch in the world. The I'll boy give, genius, right? I'll give him all of that. I just don't think at that age, you have seen enough. In a big game like that, and especially when you're going in with an inexperienced quarterback. Mm-hmm. As good as and as talented as Goff might have been, you pointed out, he was an MVP candidate halfway through the season. Okay, talented kid. But you've got a kid, and you're a kid. And yeah. you're going up against two masters on the other side. That, to me, is overwhelming. Oh, I don't it know, was. Yeah. And they sounded yeah. it. Yeah. And you were great, man. We're good. It did. They are absolutely right on. McVay's coaching, and Jared Goff has got to step up and do his part, and Goff just laid a terrible, stinky egg in this game. But there was no aggressive play calling, and they couldn't adjust, and they could not get the ground game going, and they didn't give enough touches to Todd Gurley. And there's all types of questions about the coaching style and decisions by Sean McVay. So to me, it's absolutely feasible. It's absolutely viable. It's absolutely credible to be going after Sean McVay this entire offseason and wondering, is he as good as his reputation had suggested and preceded him with? Because in that game, he got schooled by the Patriots coaching staff. And finally, this weekend is opening weekend of the brand new spring league, the Alliance of American Football, the AAF. But the XFL, which will start a year from now in the spring, is stealing some headlines this week as it's announced Bob Stoops, Oklahoma Sooners legend who's retired, is going to come back out of retirement and be the GM and head coach of the Dallas franchise in the XFL next year. Should we be excited about all of this brand-new spring football? 
Mad Radio, Mike Meltzer, Seth Payne, and Paul Gallant on 610 Sports in Houston. This makes me excited for all these spring leagues coming up. There's a whole lot. There's just going to be so much football this spring, and I'm very excited about it. Well, this spring is the AAF, yep. and then next year the XFL rounds into action. The fact that a guy like Bob Stoops is willing to take a chance with the XFL would make me willing to watch the league. How I mean, much are paying him? There's no announcement on that, right? No. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be less than he would have been making if he had taken a Big 12 job. But you have to assume that he's making some legitimate money for it, for it to be even worth his while. Right. This is a guy who's made a lot of money. I wonder if he's going to be like a lost leader if they're, gonna, if, they're, if they're paying him more than the rest of the coaches. It's not a competitive situation. It's all owned by one guy. So Vince McMahon doesn't have to compete necessarily with other owners or anything. He'll be able to pay a few of the marquee coaches at the think- top some money and then – Pay lesser guys less. I think all of us are kind of in the same boat. Us in this room, everybody listening right now, in that you want, you feel like, all right, now we're going to have this gigantic desert, this void of actually watching football until August or so. And you're thinking, all right, I'll watch basketball, I'll watch baseball when it, when it comes in, in a little bit less than two months, but I'll check out other things. And the fact that a guy like Bob Stoops with a really bona fide, legitimate resume, I put it this way. If a college football team hired Bob Stoops, it would be a big deal, mm-hmm. right? It would be a big deal. So the fact the XFL actually got him to sign on, I feel like, you know what, I would give these guys a shot. And here's what's important about signing a guy like Bob Stoops. If you want to start luring guys away from college football to maybe play in the XFL before they go to the pros, you need to have a coach that actually can develop somebody to go from the collegiate level to the NFL level. Bob Stoops is from a program that routinely did that at Oklahoma. You need those. If you want this league to actually survive and to be an alternative, definitely not the NFL, but something to watch football in the offseason, you need to bring in big-name players from college football to this league. This is a step towards that because a guy like Bob Stoops, he's not that far removed. He commands a lot of respect. I feel this is something for the XFL that is a brilliant hire. And... I'm glad you mentioned that because as Bob Stoops takes this head coaching job to coach the Dallas slash South Oklahoma, whatever they're going to be called in the XFL. I like South Oklahoma. South Oklahoma. That's another factor for him. He gets to stay in South Oklahoma. Right. And, you know, in the same region, who knows, you know, where he wants to be, what his grandkids are doing, all that stuff. It's just a, it's a nice, it's a nice sojourn for him, I guess. Maybe on the way to the NFL, maybe back into college football. But the XFL has said they're open to, letting guys play before they've been out of high school for three years. NFL players aren't allowed to enter the league until they've been out of high school for three years. So it's almost like it becomes like secondary recruiting. Is there a guy who's a sophomore who just flat out wants to make some money or go wants to prove himself in the XFL? Maybe a little run-in with the authorities somewhere, right? right? When the welcoming arms of the XFL, you're, that's a very good point that Bob Soups is a guy like, hey, you can point to all the guys that have gone on to NFL programs from Oklahoma. Do you think it could end up being an alternative for JUCO players as well? You mentioned those players, Seth, that maybe get in trouble at a school, they get kicked out of a school. Could we see someone like Tyreek Hill playing in the XFL? Could it end up turning into some variant of last chance? You? That's going to be a tough sell because... Vince McMahon is trying real hard not to be like the old XFL 
they want to get away from that as much as possible. And they've also, they've kind of tried to drape themselves in the flag a little bit and say, hey, we're going to be about American well, values and this and that. At this point, though, well, yeah. that, 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 that well, issue, I think, is to the side in terms look, of football. When we try to pretend like, you know, the 1950s were the greatest decade ever and nothing, nothing was wrong with America at all, uh, that was also back when, you know what, a college football player could get arrested eight or ten times and it would never even touch the presses. So if he really wants to be a throwback to the old days, yeah, let's just start suppressing some news up in here. I don't know about you, but I'm pumped up. I'm ready. I'm all in. I got my Arizona Hot Shots pullover and hat, and I'm ready to go for opening weekend of the AAF. And, yeah, I think this is good. Look, there is space for the football fan to get their football Jones in during the spring. All we've had is the combine and the draft. But we could use some actual football games. So I think this has a real chance to be successful, to get off the ground, and to get some traction. I will be watching, as I mentioned yesterday, opening weekend of the Alliance this weekend. And the spring football, bring it. Let's see how it does. That's the best in your sports talk for Thursday, February the 7th. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.